Hey friends, on Sunday nights we are going through our church covenant. And so uh, part of what we're doing as church right now is going back to the basics of focusing in on uh, covenant. And uh, part of the sermon series is doing that as well. And so the idea that God uses a covenant to make a people for himself. And so you could uh, watch that and hear about that in the first sermon. And as God makes a people for himself, um, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, uh, he uses these covenants. But these covenants are really serving, if you will, um, this eternal covenant, or some would say an eternal decree, that happened between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That there are those that the Father gave the Son, and the Son says that he's going to come, and he's going to purchase them. He's going to come and pursue them, and die for them, and rise for them. But he's not going to lose any that the Father has given him. So this is that this idea of um, the, the, the eternal covenant, or decree, like I said, um, in eternity past. And then God creates time and then inside of time kind of serving that idea of how that's going to work out are uh, other covenants and there's different debate and discussion on how many covenants there are and what do they look like but uh, part of what I was uh, submitting to you is this kind of covenant of works in Genesis 1 and 2 uh, that God makes with Adam and, and Eve and they are to uh, obey him and they can be with him and um, worship him uh, but they cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good of evil good and evil so they're not supposed to do that they need to obey God and they will live forever if they don't they will die well, as you know the story, they disobeyed, and so the covenant of works then broken. And now this didn't surprise God, so don't worry, um, but uh, this was, again, part of the plan. And so then we see the covenant of grace, which uh, some would argue is six covenants, maybe seven, or uh, I would submit to you five covenants uh, together, work together as the covenant of grace. And so in Genesis 3, we see the, the decree or the promise that there would be one from the line of Eve who would come and crush the head of the serpent and uh, his, his heel will be bruised and thus Jesus dying. So it's about Jesus. Um, and so some would say that that's a covenant there too. I, I would say that I don't, I don't think that is. I think it's a, a promise. And so the covenants would be the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, uh, Mosaic covenant, uh, the Davidic covenant, and then the new covenant. So you have these different covenants that God makes. And really through those first four, he's uh, making the nation of Israel. And that includes uh, Gentiles, people from the nations who would kind of convert and follow and believe like Rahab or Ruth. And so this is really what we see in kind of the Old Testament or these other covenants God working. Uh, and then and really we see come, come to fruition in the New Testament, the uh, new covenant. And many times people say that'll just kind of be the church and from all, all peoples and nations. And so uh, there's debate and discussion of how closely those, uh, the new covenant and the old covenant or those other four covenants are put together. Sometimes like in Hebrews, when you hear language of new covenant, old covenant, it'll be the new covenant, like I just mentioned, and then specifically the Mosaic covenant. And so uh, there's just discussion debate on how much, uh, how united those things are. But I would say all those together would be uh, the covenant of grace of God working to redeem for himself a people. And so that's why Paul can say that, I think that he can say that we are um, all all those who have faith like Abraham, all of true faith, are true Israel. Um, and some would go even a little further and say that the true church is all those who have put their faith in the Son, uh, the Son Eternal, in Christ, um, Old Testament saints looking forward, uh, those saints at the time of Jesus trusting in him, and those saints after the time of Jesus looking back and trusting in the personal work of Jesus. So there's some debate discussion there. Uh, but again, the, the main idea is God makes a, a people for himself through covenant. He's a God of covenant. Uh, then I talked about the new covenant honing in really on the church and how um, the universal church uh, has these expressions of the local church. And so in the local church, we're to have, uh, we are to be a covenant community. So I made an argument for uh, church 
membership, biblical church membership, and how every Christian who's able should be a part of a, a covenant community, uh, members of a local church. Um, and then from there, uh, we're to be ambassadors of that new covenant, where we're to go and evangelize uh, to the world as ambassadors of Christ, and then we're to be builders of that new covenant, where we um, are to build up one another, build up the church uh, under that new covenant. And so, uh, so that's kind of what we're going through on Sunday morning, which ties to our, our desire on Sunday nights to just get back to the basics as a church and, and go and look at our church covenant. Uh, we are covenant people. We are committing to one another and uh, promising to look after one another and submitting to the elders. And the elders are promising to give watch over your souls. And so we have the church covenant. It's a great tool to use as a reminder. Uh, it's just, a, I think, like five paragraphs, a summary of a whole bunch of scriptures. So I'll try to put a link to the, to the notes here, to the covenant. But, you know, this is the front. And then uh, you can see all these, you might not be able to see them, but there's all these small numbers from each sentence or half a sentence. And that's coming from all these different Bible passages. Um, there's over like 56, 57 one another passages that we're commanded to do in the New Testament. It's very hard to, to, to know all those, memorize all those, and put all those in a, in a way of thinking. And so really the church covenant, what that does is it kind of puts it in a fairly concise way to remind us of what our responsibilities are and what we've committed to. And it's good to keep this in front of us, so a great tool for that. And we've done it before, we're going to do it more often, uh, reading our church covenant together at members' meetings or during the Lord's Supper, reminding um, ourselves of these things. And so the, the following weeks on Sunday evenings is just going through this church covenant, um, looking at some of the Bible passages that are related, discussing what this actually looks like. So uh, let me just uh, take a few minutes and get started on it, and then um, we can pick up in the upcoming weeks. But First Baptist Church, Cedar Key Church Covenant, um, this is, there's a lot of covenants online. A lot of them are very similar. Some changes here and there. This is one that we found that I did some tweaking and we voted on as a church. And so um, let me share this with you. Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God, to receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We do now, in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully covenant with one another as one body of Christ. That's the first paragraph. And so again, having we believe, of course, that you come to faith by the, by the Spirit of God, so that's why we're led by the Spirit, uh, not only to come to faith, but in our daily lives, sanctification. But we believe that the Spirit led us to receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior. And on that profession of faith, which gets into specifically having been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's the pattern that we see in Scripture. And of course, being Baptist, we would say that that baptism should be a believer's baptism on a profession of faith. And it should be uh, by immersion, symbolizing that we're dead in, uh, dead in Christ and, and, and we're now dead to the world and we're raised to the newness of life. And so that, that picture, we would argue that the New Testament shows this baptism by immersion. And so that's what we'd hold to. And so with us here, we're saying that this profession of faith and the fact that we've been baptized and then added to the number, that's the pattern you see. Repent, believe, baptize, then you're added to the church. Now, of course, our addition to the, the universal church spiritually happens uh, the moment we trust in Christ. And so that's something that happens in, internally and nobody can see that. But the way that you're supposed to show that, display that, is not by walking an aisle, not by even telling people that you're a Christian or wearing a t-shirt or something like that. It is baptism. That is the way that you tell the world you're a follower of Jesus. So you, you really are baptized into the, the covenant community. That's your entrance into, or into the covenant community through baptism. So if you have not been baptized, but you say you're a follower of Jesus, you trust in Christ, you may genuinely be a follower of Jesus, uh, but either one, you're in sin because you're not obeying what he's told you to do, um, or two, you don't have an understanding of what's going on with baptism, and so we'd love to help you, or we can point you in uh, the direction of some resources if you need that. So you enter in through baptism, 
and this is a side note, but as you are in the covenant community, part of our job as the covenant community is to affirm one another that we are still walking and following Jesus. Um, and so part of what we do here is we're taking the Lord's Supper regularly as the ordinance that helps us to kind of continue to participate in the body of Christ. So the baptism is the entrance in into the covenant community and the Lord's Supper is the ordinance used to help uh, continue that with the covenant community. So as we have these things, we've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because what we see in Scripture. We do now in the presence of God. So when we're saying this together, God is watching. If we're gathered together, then we see that uh, the, the angels are even here. That's why this says angels. They're always around. And so, and then this assembly, the, the people who are gathered, most solemnly and joyfully. We're joyful to covenant, but we're also serious about it. Covenant with one another as one body of Christ. We see ourselves as one body. Yes, there's the universal body, but we here are also one body, one expression of that. And every part is important. We endeavor, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge and holiness, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully, sacrificially, regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the aid of widows and orphans in the spread of the gospel to all nations. So we endeavor, this, this term, we're, we're going to do our best to be able to do this by the aid of the Holy Spirit, never forgetting that. It's always by the aid of the Holy Spirit, must have the Spirit, uh, to walk together in Christian love. And that is a hard one right there. First um, Corinthians chapter 13 um, is where you really should spend some time on this. And uh, I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians 13, if you're ever wondering if you're doing a good job loving people, um, you go to 1 Corinthians 13. And we, God is love, and we're to be uh, loving. And so uh, one thing I've recommended, some of you have done this, is you can, everywhere it says love, you can take out love and put your name in to see if you're being loving. Um, but think about some of these things. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Watch this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So um, really just taking time to see, man, am I patient? Am I pa I'm saying when I'm going to walk in Christian love, that I'm going to be patient with my brothers and sisters. So are there people that you're not patient with? Um, then you're not loving them well. And thus you'd be breaking the covenant. And so thus in sin, uh, because we're disobeying scripture. And so we'd want to repent of that. Um, do you envy somebody else's position or something in the church or something about them? Um, are you arrogant or rude to someone? Maybe someone you don't like in the church. You kind of just ignore them, go around them, don't really pay attention to them. Um, now, this would, now, so the church members were made up of uh, families and things like that. So this is true with your spouses, all these things, um, with your children, um, parents, whatever. Uh, these things are still true because we're a covenant community and that's everybody included. Um, it does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way. Wow. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And then these, man, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I've had many in the church before, perhaps marriages, other things, where they come and say, I'm just done, I give up. Not according to 1 Corinthians 13. You can't. It's covenant. It's covenant. In marriages, it's covenant in the church. I'm not giving up on somebody. It's not what we do. Okay? Likewise, bearing all things. Ah, 
Uh, again, these, these last four, it has all things, all things, all things. I really wish it said some things because it would be easier, but that's not what God calls us to. By the, by the work of Christ in us, the Spirit living inside of us, we're to do these things. Hoping all things, believing all things. Are we believing the best about people? How often are we looking at motives of what people are doing and we're just assuming the worst, believing the worst, instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt and believing the best? So this is a lot, um, and this is really uh, where we will stop for today. And this is just the church covenant. Again, something for us to, to work through as we do over the coming uh, weeks and maybe months and just get focused on this is what we need to be doing because this is all biblical and, and, and glorifies God and, and unites the church. And so I uh, hope this is a helpful intro for you and um, look forward to diving in more. See you.